I'm Ankit Panda, the Stanton Senior Fellow with the Nuclear Policy Program at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace here in Washington, D.C. And today I'm joined by Dave Kang, who's a professor at the University of Southern California. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dave. How's it going? Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Pleasure. So I thought we could talk a little bit today about something that's perhaps an odd topic, but Kim Jong-un's weight. Uh, the North <laughs> Korean leader, of course, is a portly man. That's, I think, apparent to anybody that sees pictures of him. And uh, recently... A few pictures came out of Kim making an appearance after a fairly lengthy disappearance of about a month, which isn't super unusual for him. Uh, but it appeared that he'd lost a lot of weight. And this led to a few stories. Some folks rolled their eyes, said, you know, why are we focusing on Kim Jong-un's weight? So what's your take? I mean, is this is this an analytically important observation? Kim Jong-un's health, his weight? Should we be thinking about these things? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the first thing is, it it look, I remember I, I saw that picture as well, and I was like, wow, dude, you know, dude's been working out. Um, he got on a treadmill. Um, and I do think that it's it's important to think about because, of course, he's the leader of a country that we have some in, you know very important security relationships with. Right. And so how healthy he is and uh, what that means for the stability of rule or what's going on, I think, is important. Uh, and it certainly looks like he lost some weight. But the larger the larger thing that I find really annoying is anytime he's gone from sight for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. The speculation becomes about a coup or he had a heart attack or he was, a, you know, we, we still are speculating uh, tremendously about just one man's personality and what's going on with him um, in a way that I think uh, isn't necessary. I mean, yeah, we should pay attention to his health and things like that. But the amount of speculation that goes on is not actually helpful at all. Absolutely. I don't, no, know, what you, right. I don't know what you think. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, I think I think it. I, I think our tendency to speculate sheds some light on just, you know, how hard of a target North Korea is for intelligence, right? We see what they want to show us many times. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I mean, just to reflect a little bit broad, broad, more broadly on the health issue, I mean, just historically, uh, you know, Kim's father had a stroke in 2008, which we learned about later. That weighed on Kim Jong-il's decision making leading up to the succession. Kim Il-sung, yep. of course, died right, you know, right during the crisis of 1994 before the agreed framework. So I think we also know from history that, you know, the North Korean leader's health, his personal well-being uh, does reverberate in important ways. And with Kim Jong-un, of course, uh, as far as we know, he doesn't have an air of, uh, you know, heritable age yet. So the, yeah. the succession question is a little uncertain. Um Let's, uh, you know, maybe turn the tables a little bit and talk about the state of the North Korean economy. Uh, so Kim Jong-un's been fairly open now for about a year, year and a half since really the collapse of the Hanoi summit all the way back in uh, February 2019, which feels like a, a lifetime ago, uh, about the fact that the North Korean economy is not doing so well. Uh, he's been talking about food stress in the country. Uh, of course, uh, North Korea reacted pretty quickly to COVID-19 last year. But, uh, way back in January, they called it a threat to their national survival and pretty much shut down the entire country. Um, but, you know, signs of some reopening are apparent. And I think the place where this is most relevant is in the uptick that we've seen in trade activity with China. Uh, how do you how do you view this? I mean, is this uh, is this something that you know portends potentially a relaxation in North Korea about um, when it comes to their COVID nineteen measures, or does it tell us something about the desperation of Kim's uh, economic situation today? Yeah, no, I think I think you've summed it up really well, right? Like this leader has been different; he has been more forthright, Kim Jong Un, than his father or grandfather, right? And he was he was very clear years ago in early you know twenty twelve thirteen saying. Uh, we shouldn't, North Koreans should not have to focus on, shouldn't be hungry so much, right? I mean, this, this has been important part. It hasn't been simply nuclear weapons. It has been nuclear weapons and economic 
uh, growth, let's call it, or, or vitality. Um, and he's been a little more honest about it, right? Like we're having some problems now. The two things I take away, and then I really like to hear what you think. Um, the first one is, we all think that sanctions are going to get North Korea to come to the table, but they self-sanctioned much more tightly than we ever did. And they're no closer to collapsing now than they were before. I mean, I, I take this as just sort of you know, evidence that the, the regime, the country is more stable than we think, despite the second point being that, yeah, I think there are definitely um, economic troubles in North Korea. And the uptick for me, the uptick in trade is, is pretty natural as, every, as everything is beginning to get a little more under control. I'm not surprised that they're they're starting to increase trade. But um, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's perhaps a little crude, but uh, North Korea's experience with COVID-19 has really been a natural experiment of sorts and maximum pressure. Right. I think what you said is absolutely the right framing. Um, And yeah. And, you know, I mean, when I think about North Korea, I sort of you know, think about three three tiers when it comes to the economic analysis, right? You have uh, Kim Jong-un, the Workers' Party elite, really the inner circle. You have the residents of Pyongyang and a few other major cities that are, you know, the chosen few. And then you have everybody else in the country, around 20, 22 million people. And, you know, I think Kim Jong-un, um, unfortunately, I think is very happy to let that final group, um, you know, suffer if necessary. And I think that's some of what's happening in the country right now, as long as the inner circle is well taken care of, right? I mean, we've also seen things relating to price fluctuations in Pyongyang. You know, I think bottles of shampoo are selling for like $200 uh, equivalent Mm -hmm. in the capital. So that's not a great situation, obviously. But as long as Kim could keep his elites happy and keep really his inner circle happy, I think he'll be all right. Uh, So I think we're at the end of our time now, Dave, but uh, thanks a lot for joining me today. This is really fun. I look uh, look forward to seeing it on the web.